This is, yeah, are we know, talking about is, kids? Yeah, we're talking about Single kids. Parenting? This is about, this is, I mean, this conversation went into your work, which I just have found so fascinating. I didn't really want to stop it. Well, one of the yeah. things that I think is a challenge that I'm, that I'm trying to address and I'm actually talking to, um, I'm doing a workshop a couple weeks about it. You know, one of the challenges is when we think about these questions of flexibility and changing the conversation from being this kind of working mother focused, um, women focused conversation about leaning in and opting out and the choices women have to make in their career because of parenthood, we kind of are able to, how do we become better able to widen the conversation to involve dads more? Yeah. And so I'm kind of curious what your take is. I mean, coming from the military, coming from, we could go into your whole history, but I'm just sort of curious what your take is. How do we get dads more involved in a conversation about working parenthood? And how do we make this sort of relevant? Because my theory is that if we don't get dads involved in a conversation about working parenthood, that it's always going to be this kind of women-only issue that isn't going to really go so far. There's not going to be a lot of change made until we get both genders involved. So I'm just kind of curious what your take is. Yeah, I mean, I'll start with, I haven't met any other single dads so far who right. have custody of their children. Right. And I've looked. You know, I, I've looked around here, uh, and I've asked the questions, and I've made friends with three other single parents who are um, within my department, not necessarily in our offices, and hoping to set up some kind of support structure within us. And they're single moms. Two ladies have one child. One has two. And in our discussions, that does come up is, are their supervisors willing to offer them accommodations? Right. But I know your questions on how do we get dads involved, and I think there is some archaic thinking out there. Absolutely, right. And 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 so it, I find this fascinating and disturbing at the same time. So I left the military because my children needed my focus after my divorce. Uh-huh. And I loved my job. I was really good at it. And I was very well recognized to be successful in being in the military. I was promoted ahead of my peers and whatnot. But I've always been raised with a very strong paternal and maternal side. Uh-huh. My father was always involved. My mother was always involved. But there were clear gender roles growing up. You know, my mom did the cooking. Mm-hmm. My dad he fixed the cars in the yard, you know. Right. And, and they didn't cross over at all growing up. Now, as I went into the military, you know, one of my sayings was, I only see green. And I that was my saying to my soldiers was, because I don't see men or I don't see women, I just see green. Right, right. But my parents gave me a very strong sense of family and a huge sense of responsibility when it comes to having children. Mm -hmm. like they come first. My father and mother both children in the sacrifices they made as immigrant parents mm -hmm. to provide for us. So even while I was in the military, when I first met my ex-wife, she was a soldier as well. Oh, okay. And we had children, and we took turns. I mean, sometimes, hmm. half the time. I picked up the kids from school or after uh, work and after she did. I did a lot of the cooking because I love to cook. And because she was a soldier, we didn't have this traditional, she would go out and she'd mow the yard or dig this or, you know. 
and I did things in the house because of uh, my technical competence, not necessarily my gender. Mm-hmm. You know, and she did the same. She handled the bills and all that because she was a logistician. Mm-hmm. So once we separated, and I jump forward. So in our marriage, there was not um, a lot of that. But uh, talk about archaic thinking and what how it plays on later as in parenthood. We both officers. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I was hard at work on people, I was considered to be stubborn or I was considered to be, you know, really tough on people, but it's for their own good. Right. If she did the same thing, and she did, she was tough too. Mm-hmm. I had high standards. She was labeled as uh, being bossy and, if I may say so, being a bitch. Right. Right. And her and I used to have, have these conversations, you know, and one of the things she respected me for because I did not share a gender inequality with my soldiers and obviously with a wife who was in the military. But it was very frustrating for her that why was she treated separately? If I had to leave work because a child was sick and, you know, I, it was my day to do it. No it's, one's, oh, that's great, Riz. You're a great dad. You're taken off from work to go take care of your kids. When she did it, it was like, are you kidding me again? Right. You know, right. people make these jokes, but they're not really jokes. Like, if the Army wanted you to have a kid, they would have issued you on, you know. Jesus. Sorry. So, yeah. So, yeah. even with her, I saw it. So, now I'm here in my current employment and talking to my friends who are single moms. You know, if um, I, for example, one of my boundary setting as I was being hired, I said, you know, I'm a single dad. Mm-hmm. And teleworking is extremely important to me and having flexibility in my day. And during the interview, they said, well, what do you mean? I said, if I have a child home at sick and I'm perfectly capable of doing my job at the house, that's what I'm going to do. I do not want to use up my sick days and vacation days to take care of health-related reasons because those times are supposed to be, vacation days are supposed to be used for fun. And if I burn them up, I've, I was like, I have three kids. Yeah. Somebody's going to be sick. Yeah. I will never have a vacation day if I have to use a vacation day. Right. So they agreed and said, yeah, it makes sense. We can. The new federal policy allows you to telework. You cannot use telework to provide alternate daycare for your child. Right, right. You're allowed to use telework for doctor's appointments and someone's sick or cars broken down and whatnot. Right. So, okay, done deal. And I haven't gotten any pushback. But here I am being probably the only single parent in the department or single male that I know of in my offices. And I am considered some kind of hero. People are like, I don't know how you do it. You're an amazing man, blah, 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 blah. Right. And I talked to my friends who were the single moms, and, and their children looked at some kind of burden on the organization. Like, oh, she's got to take out again. Right. All the time. And, of course, I'm very outspoken when it comes to, um, I don't know, civil rights. <laughs> gender inequality, rights. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, gender equality, because I'm raising two daughters. And yeah. You know, I, I don't know the word I was going to say, but I'm raising two daughters, and I want them to have no fear of the job and family, and that, and I want to show them this balance. So when I, I left the military, not because I could not handle work and my kids. I left the military because military deploys. It's part of the job. Right. Got you it. can't get out of that. Right. And so I, I love being in the military, but I was like, you know, I love my kids more. Right. So I left the military, found a job, and I had very specific things. And just so I'll give you a background on myself, I was at 
extremely involved parent. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not saying father or mother is when I'm not at work, I don't check my emails, I don't take calls from work unless they're life-threatening emergencies. Right. And that's not going to happen at, the, at my current job. In the military, when you're responsible for soldiers, yeah, you'd get those calls somebody was in a car accident. Here, right. you're not, no one's going to call you and say your fellow employee was in a car accident. Right. So family was huge to me and whatnot. And, and my kids... Just to ask, ahead. just a follow-up question. So you, in your marriage, were you... Was it sort of uh, designated, you said, if it was my day to pick up my my son or daughter, I would pick up on that day. Did you guys yeah. very, you know, methodically set up whose turn, you know, did we you... We did. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, it was like, for, and we did it not days, it was like this week, you drop them off, I'll pick them up next week, you pick them up and I'll drop them off. Right. And it was to give us some flexibility for work, but because... With the military, your schedule changes a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was in aviation. So right. sometimes I was flying nights from 2 to 4 o'clock in the morning. So there was a lot of flexing back and forth. But there right. was an expectation between me and my commander that I'm a very involved dad. And that if a child is sick, I'm not going to rely on my wife to go do it. Mm-hmm. And it was something I did, not my institution did. That is a boundary that I set ever right. since I you know, had our first. Yeah. And I did the same thing here. And when I say I was an involved parent, if I wasn't deployed, I made every tooth extraction, every brace appointment, eye appointment. Um, I coached one child's team every single season since they could play sports. Wow. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. If I was not deployed or out in the field exercise or something, I went above and beyond my ex-wife. I went to their chorus recitals, tap, you name it. And that's for my my parents. Yeah. So yeah, you, you mentioned that they, they demonstrated, you know, a commitment to parenthood, both of them as immigrants, that they made a lot of sacrifices. How did they show in terms of, can you talk a little bit more about that, I guess? Sure. I, I'll give you the ultimate example and why my parents are my heroes. My okay. older sister has Down syndrome. And so does my brother. What's that? So does my brother. I don't think I knew that about hey. you. No. Well, in the 70s, we, we four out of the five siblings were born in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. My parents recognized that in the 70s, there was really no kind of opportunity that my older sister would have in Pakistan. You know, it was, it was definitely an underdeveloped nation back then. Right. So my dad took a month off from work and literally traveled the Middle East and Europe and the United States. You know, back in those days, you could drive through the Middle East. It was safe. <laughs> right. And they looked for the place which would offer the most opportunities, and it was Fairfax, Virginia in the 70s. Wow. It was world-renowned, world leader for having programs with people with challenges from the time they're born to the time they pass. And that is the reason my parents have never left Fairfax County, Virginia. Wow. Because if you're a resident, all programs are included. Wow. And so... My father and mother sold everything, and they moved to Fairfax County, Virginia, specifically back in 1977 so that my older sister would have a the best chance at life to be successful. In wow. a conversation with my father recently, he said, you children were not born with a disability. I knew that no matter where we went, you would be fine. But I had to take her somewhere which she would have the best chance at it. 
it wasn't we didn't come for money or the glory of a better job. My father was a very accomplished person in Pakistan. And they What did your father do? Up. My father was a senior officer in the Pakistan military. He was a pilot, hmm. and he was poised to be a general officer. He was what they considered as a Boy Scout, one of the handful of non-corruptible officers, and a lot of people are um, sad to see him go. I mean, he had a huge career ahead of him, and then a political career, too. People wanted to see him in politics because he was an honest man, mm-hmm. and he left everything to give my sister a shot. Wow. He went from that life where we lived in a 5,000-square-foot house and had drivers and servants and people who guarded the front gate. Mm-hmm. And his first job was an auto mechanic working at a Volvo dealership. Wow. Yeah. Because in the 70s, in the D.C. area, minorities didn't have it too well. Right. Wow. I mean, we were the first minorities ever to move into our neighborhood of wow. any kind. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, that's where my um, sense of responsibility, I mean, I, I see what my dad did for my sister and, you know, it benefited us in some way. But, I mean, I knew I, he's right. My brothers and my youngest sister, we would have been just fine being just successful in Pakistan. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. But there's no way my sister would have had that job. And she's had a job ever since I can remember. I grew up in... Um, Fairfax County Department of Therapeutic Recreation for the Disabled, you know, that was a job that I had before I went in the military. I managed uh-huh. recreation programs for the disabled for four years. I loved it. Uh-huh. But so that's where my sense of family comes from. So after the divorce, that's, and I understand the plight of the minority. And that's why I've always had zero tolerance for people who do not take care of family, number one, commanders, right. both supervisors, even now. And I'm lucky the offices that I work in, they bend over backwards for family. I mean, I know of instances where they've put people on telework for two weeks to go care for an ailing mother who's in the hospice. You know, I mean... Wait, when you say the offices you've worked for, is that you're saying over the course of your career, you're saying... Yeah, this... The office that I currently work in is no, probably oh. the best. Ever. Ah, okay, got it, got it, got it. They go, I know there's, there's a lot of talk about mismanagement and whatnot. The one thing that no one can complain about is their level of commitment to their family. But but I also think that is a product of the age of this organization. Mm-hmm. Over 52% of this organization is over 50 and married. Right. So... And, and because it's an oversight organization, which means it requires people to be subject matter experts in the field, mm-hmm. which means they have to be educated and experienced, not one or the other. Right. So because the majority of the people are married with children, and a lot of them grandchildren. Sure. Yeah, I, it kind of makes sense why they'd be big on family. Right. But, so, go ahead. When you were out looking for a job, you knew you had to leave the Army. Um, you know, obviously you made it clear that telework was a priority for you. Did you know that about this position? I know this kind of, this position kind of in certain ways landed in your lap, but did you, did you know that that family value piece was? I know that talking to, during my interviews, I expressed how important family was to me. And, you know, 
and it's uh, an expectation. You know, I've been around long enough where I can have expectations with the people hiring me. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is what I expect. And they said, oh, of course, yes. You know, it's not like in a policy letter or something. No, we, I completely understand. You'll get full support, yada, yada, yada. And it's been true. It's been yeah. true so far. And I'm very pleased about that. And um, so, you know, I was making that point about the, the single mother who's a really good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And she gets pushback sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, that, oh, do you really have to? Are you sure you can't come in for this meeting? I know your child's sick. But it could just be that that one person, you know. Right. O- overall, there is a dedication to family. But I can tell there's a gender difference. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Of course. I know they want her to take care of her family. I know they want to take care of her. But I know that how both of us as perceived in parent roles is different. Right. And I, it, it's, how can I explain it? It's like if, if my ex-wife had custody of my children mm-hmm. and I was not super involved in their lives, it would not look too negatively upon me because they're with their mother. Right. 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 But I have custody and she's not involved. Just simply the fact that she doesn't have custody, people automatically make assumptions about her. Sure. And now that she's not involved, you know, I would say 75% of the single parents that I know, the other parent is not involved. And the 25% is they're involved or involved very well. You know what I mean? They're full in. Right. And the other people aren't. They're just not. There's not a lot of middle ground, I see. Uh-huh. But me being a single parent, the way I feel it's perceived is like, oh, I've done this great thing for my children as a man have taken custody of my kids. Right. But I see these moms and I'm going, they're just as impressive as I am. Sure. You know? Sure, of course. They're doing the role of a single parent, and they should get just as much recognition as I should, you know. But, I don't know. I, well, like you said, there's, I feel a difference. When you were in the military, before you separated from your wife, did you know other dads who, you know, weren't single dads, but who were as active and committed to family life as you were? Yes. I mean, I think... Um, you know, we surround ourselves with people that are like us. Sure. So most of my close friends were just as involved. I mean, I know that uh, even after I separated and I had custody of my kids and families would do tubing trips on the river and I would take the kids and mm-hmm. it would be me, the other father and the kids. And, you know, my friend Phil's wife would have the day off because we took the kids. Right. We had no qualms about doing things like that or... I remember when I was stationed in New York, it's snow outside and we're out there sledding with the kids. It's always the same two dads and me. Mm-hmm. And the kids noticed that. Right. I mean, I remember my kids making comments to me, how come it's just you and Mr. So-and-so and so-and-so? And, you know, just talking about father specifically, it's, it's yeah, I would say I would like to see more parent involvement, period, with the kids. Right. But, yeah, I mean, coaching soccer teams, you, you can tell it's the same parents that always show up for practices and games. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's ones that just drop them off and take off. Right. Right. 
And so you attribute your commitment to your family upbringing to the kind of experience you had. But I, oh, I would yeah. imagine that, you know, as your parents were immigrants and they were, they had quite difficult circumstances to, to face when they got here. Yeah. You know, but they were very involved with their five As much as it could be. Yeah, yeah. Like, I know when we first moved to the States, they both worked jobs, and I, at eight years old, was finding myself watching my siblings all the time. Right. And back then, it was a matter of survival. And as they became more, I don't know, productive is the right word, but made more money, you know, Find a, found a niche, found a good job and whatnot. But they were always involved. You yeah. Know, taking us to events, whatnot, always being there. I just remember my parents always being available. I don't ever remember a time where they weren't there when we needed them. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. So with my kids, I mean, trust me, I love my kids. It doesn't mean I like them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially that I have three in puberty. Uh, it's just great. Yeah, it's the, right. It's the, it's, it's we call it the tornado of emotion. Like the kids joke, right? That's their joke. Because they watch the oh, nice. called Sharknado, and they're like, yeah, it feels like that in the house sometimes. We're all swimming around in a tornado. I'm like, yeah, I know. Nice. Wow. Well, it sounds like you guys have a sense of humor about things. That, it sounds like that's one of, the, one of your values as a dad, would you say? Like one of the yeah, things you bring I, I, to parenting, sense of humor. Yeah, and the kids do say, you know, I'm a fun dad, but I'm the most strictest dad to know, and they attribute that to me being a military officer. <laughs> and, and some things I'm strict about, and some things I'm not at all. Mm-hmm. You know, like, they make a mess. It never upsets me, because I just say, hey, kids make messes, you just sure. clean it up. Sure. When they're disrespectful to people, see, to me, that's a big deal. Right. And, Raquel, if you were to ask my kids right now, what is the number one thing your father teaches you? And it's respect. And if you ask them to define, all of them give you the same answer. We don't judge people on race, gender, um, sexual preference, religion, skin color, nothing. Right. We don't, I don't ever say anything negative about anybody in front of them. And that comes back to respect for each other. And we talk about gender differences. Um, I did spank my kids when they were younger, whacked them on the butt, you know, for misbehaving. Mm-hmm. I'm not completely averse to corporal punishment. But I also made a pact. I said, over the once you get older, I just stop doing it. And specifically with my girls, because you know, my oldest got older first, and Devin would say, how come I still get spanked and they don't? I said, well, I don't want my daughter growing up thinking as she's getting older that it's okay for a man to put his hands on her. Mm-hmm. And I don't want you to think that it's okay for anybody, but you're the dad. I said, it doesn't matter. I said, this is your formative years. You don't get what that means, but it'll make sense later. Right. So I teach my son to be a gentleman and I teach my girls to be ladies. Mm-hmm. They have respect for both sides. And they all, when I talk about gender equality, you know, they all do the same chores. They all, you know, we went to my sister's this weekend to build some built in cabinets and Devin helped me for half a day. Jenna helped me for half a day. Mm-hmm. And there's no uh, rule separation in the house. I taught my girls how to straighten and curl their hair because, well, that's a skill I had to learn to make sure my girls knew because, <laughs> well, I'm not shy with my children at all. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is because I'm a single dad, 
and my ex-wife is not involved at all. Mm-hmm. There's things that girls need to know that a guy would never, like, it's for that time of the month, right? Sure. <laughs> sure, that'd be my first guess, yes. And I had I went out and researched what's the, how do you pick a pad, you know? Right. And I had that conversation with my girls because I'm like, that is a skill they have to have. And I can't be shy about it because a guy doesn't talk about that stuff. Right. So I stopped saying father and mother and I say parent. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't shirk their responsibility off on anybody. When we moved to this, um, the Maryland area, it was too close to family. So like my youngest now says, well, is it okay if I talk to Auntie Miriam about this? I'm like, absolutely. You can talk to her. But understand this, it remains my responsibility. Hmm. So I'll be the first person that talks to you about sex and everything else. And if you want to talk to your aunts and uncles, that's fine. And I tell all my kids that. Right. I said, and me being a a man or a woman has nothing to do with it. I'm your parent. And they get it. They get it. Mm -hmm. And I love it, Rocco, because they'll come talk to me about anything now. Right. Wow. So... I mean, it sounds like you're quite proud of your job as a parent and what you're doing. I and love how, it. What, what do you love most about it? What do you, what makes you, you know, you've already talked about some of it, but what makes you such an outstanding parent? Because I believe that you are, I mean, based on what you're saying and the guy that I know that you are, I mean, it, it's a pretty compelling picture of parenthood, I would say. So what do you value most about the job? What's most rewarding? And what most do you do rewarding. best? Yeah. That I, I, okay, this is a little self-conceited answer, is like when one of them repeats something I said to them in advice to a friend of theirs. <laughs> yeah. And inside it'll be my little, my little voice. I'll be like, yes, <laughs> they are listening. And it's that little triumph, you know, like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing, you know. Right, right. And to me, that's the most rewarding is watch them growing and making a decision on their own. Uh-huh. That, to me, is cool. Yeah. I mean, and it's, you know, 50 hours of work to get 10 minutes of gratification. Right, right. <laughs> or even more. I'm, probably 50 days of work to get 10 minutes of gratification as a parent. I'm sure. But I, I just practice being available. I mean, I'm not the best parent all the time. There's days I blow my lid. There's days I misread it and I punish the wrong kid for you know, this or that, and then they come back and tell me, Dad, that's not what happened, then I'll feel like, you know, a jerk. Right. But I think what makes me successful is consistency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is no matter what's going on, is I'm there as a parent. And it doesn't mean I have to be perfect, and it doesn't mean I have to catch every boo-boo or every emotion or every look and find out what's happening in their life is just being consistent. Right. I gave up being a perfect parent a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's too much work. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't even know. Enough being me. Exactly. Exactly. You kind of have to build on your core strengths, right? What you do best. That's kind of the only way to do it. What's your competitive advantage as a parent? What are you doing? You know, it's funny. It's not funny. It's I find the same gratification with my children that I find in my job in organizations. Yeah. I've always found my most enjoyment in watching others succeed 
and little joy because it's something I taught them, you know? Right. And same thing with kids. Yeah. Is watching that little bit of, you know, I, we have our ups and downs, you know, they have a lot of abandonment issues because their moms are involved. Right. And I, I think what made me successful one day, I stopped making excuses for her and I realized, you know, I need to just focus on me and them and now. Yeah. Because I noticed it was making a rift between us, me constantly trying to justify her. So I stopped doing that. But it's the consistency. I think the Karen's, you know, know that no matter what, I'm going to be there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and here's another saying you like, I taught the kids is, when does daddy love you the most? And they'll answer when we're being bad. And now, you know, Devin, he's my middle teenager who's going to be 15 this year. Right. He said, I don't feel that's possible, dad. I'm like, what do you mean it's not possible? He's like, well, how can it be you love us most when uh, we're being bad? I said, well, if a parent doesn't love their child, they don't do anything about it. Right. I said, and a parent shows love by being involved. So even when you're being bad, if a parent's being involved, that's a loving parent. Right. So. Yeah. How do you just state what your needs are in terms of, you know, making sure that you're emphasizing what, how you're going to meet the business goals and how you're going to work on behalf of your organization. But when, yeah. but you know, setting the boundary that you set very early on with this job and yeah. saying, you know, and it sounds like before, you know, over the course of your whole career for the past 15 years, that when you had a demand on you outside the office, you, you know, from your family, that was where your priority was and you were going to meet it. Um, yeah. And, but you were also going to do your best on the job as well. And I feel like that is a goal that so many parents, mothers, and fathers have, but they have a really hard time setting the right tone and expectations with their employers, both because of uh, biases that their employers have and because of, yeah. you know, confidence challenges that they have as well. And I think, you know, I, I don't know the women that you work with and I'm not, I'm not making any presumptions, but I think it's really yeah. hard to go in, you know, I find a lot of people are saying, well, I have to leave because I find it, I, I coach women to sort of talk about not talking about the why. Don't talk yeah. about why you have to leave. You just have to leave. You're doing your yeah. job. You're 200% engaged when you're on the job. When you got to go, they need to yeah. trust that you have to go. And if you kind of give them a sense of like, well, this is a tooth extraction and this is a soccer game and this is like, yeah. that's. That's not the point. The point is you are a valued employee who can say, you know, I'm, this is, this is what I need to do. I know I'm not going to be as effective of an employee if I'm sitting here, you know, resenting you for not letting me go. I'm going to go. Well, you know, yeah. the example that I use when I talk to some of the managers, because these conversations have happened, I said, you know, talk about trust and teleworking and the challenges of it. I tell them this, I said, you send one of your employees across the country to California to attend a work group or a conference for a week, right? And they're like, yeah. Why do you have such an issue sending them home 20 minutes away for 30 minutes to a couple of hours and thinking they're not going to get the work done? And right. then they get it. They're like, oh. I right. never thought of it that way. Right. I'm like, you can send somebody for a week away out of your supervision yeah. trusting they're going to do the work, but why do we have such a social you know, mental block on sending people home for half a day. Yeah. Trusting that they're still going to get the job done. Yeah. And, and 
you know, I like to think I'm a logical person, and sometimes that gets it in my head, and I'm like, how the hell can you not see it for what it is? But, right. you know, it's, uh, I think what you're talking about, the social barriers. Yeah. That's a huge one. That, and then when you don't have the structural support, then it becomes a barrier. So Correct. policies which are created, for example, telework to help you get home. Sure. Managers will hide behind it. Ooh, I don't know. I'd have to look at the policy and see if you're allowed to leave. And you're not really teleworking because you're at a doctor's appointment. I'm sitting here like, really? Why yeah. is this guy even bothering to go to this level when he sent this person off for a week? Think about it. Sending someone off for a teleconference, they could party for a week and come back. And no one even questions what they did while they were gone. Right. But when it comes to women, you know, it's, um, I got custody, so, oh, she must have been really, really bad, and he's doing society a favor as a father taking his kids, whereas when a woman takes her kids, and it's like, oh, it's her duty as her mom to do it, so she shouldn't get any special consideration. But as a father, I'm, I'm going above and beyond. And I've had conversations like these with men. Yeah. That's why I, and, of course, I can't make a blanket statement for all of humanity, but I know that people have said, well, well Dola, she's going to get the kids. She's a woman. And you got them because you're super dad. That's why you got them. And I'm like, huh. you don't even know the history. There's no way any sane judge would have given custody of my ex-wife at that time in her life. Right. You know. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm a bad father. I'm just saying it's you get custody for certain reasons. But I really don't like the way in society we make that separation. And it's it's ingrained in me to watch my older sister with Downs being treated differently and being stared at the mall and from a very young age wanting no one to ever to be treated differently. Mm-hmm. And it had nothing to do with gender back then. It was just being human, you know? Yeah. And I carried that into my military service when it came to male and female soldiers, just being human. I don't care what your religion is, blah, 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 blah. And now in my new job, it's the same way. Treat each other as human beings. Quit focusing on gender and all this other crap, as I call it. it doesn't. Can you do the job? Great. Right. And be a family at work. Let's get it done. Yeah. But that's yeah. too simple. <laughs> well, you know, maybe in some ways, yes, and in some ways, it's just completely intuitive, and and it's just got to be the way that it is. It's just a question yeah. of of getting people to really make such a huge mind shift, a <laughs> huge mindset shift that it is huge. The yeah. you know it it really shouldn't be, but it absolutely is, especially especially in this culture, and it's it's frustrating. But it's but you're right. I mean, it is about parenting. It isn't about mothers or fathers. It's just you know who's going to get the results <laughs> and who's going to yeah. do the job. Yeah, and, and my friend, she's phenomenal. I mean, she's a super troop. She works far harder than I do. Right. But the fact that, you know, she gets a hard time every time she needs to leave the office, it doesn't make sense to me. Where me, it's almost encouraged. Oh, as soon as I say one of the kids, I don't even have to say what it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure is. Go right ahead. But, you know, that could also be my boss. He's he's very very sensitive to taking care of his folks, knowing that they will take care of him. Right, right. Where her boss is a little younger and, I don't know, has no children. Maybe that has a factor in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the, you know, the biggest challenge in terms of implementing flexibility is manager, 
managerial buy-in, managerial skills around implementing flexibility. My colleagues yeah. did a study about that. And, you know, I think it's a question of, um, yeah, it's really a question of, of how you approach the issue. But I think that, I think that e creating a sort of more level playing field and a more open conversation between parents of both genders is going to yeah. help move things along. And it sounds like, you know, you've informally done that between you and a number of single parents in your organization. And the question is, how do we make this conversation bigger? Because we all care about these two different things. It's just a, we, but the level of isolation that so many of parents of, feel around this, um, yeah. you know, no matter what community exists online or in person around it, you know, in PTA meetings or whatever, people just feel yeah. that they, you know, don't have the resources to navigate both. And I think it's, it really is about shifting the mindset first and foremost. From yeah, and resources too, because I will tell you, um, even in the short year that I've been here, other positions have been offered to me. You know, makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. But I've turned them down because I know that I'm not willing to put the time into the job because I know I would have to, at this point, take it away from the kids. Mm-hmm. And they're at a point in their life they really need me more than my job needs me. So, right. you know, this job is good. You know, I get to set my own time, my own schedule and whatnot. Mm -hmm. It allows me flexibility. But if I was to take this other position, it would bind me to certain hours and things because I would have people working for me. And I choose not to. Right. Right. So, yeah, there is a limit to what you can do as a single parent. Absolutely. You mm -hmm. know, part of my job requires me to travel and I hadn't planned on taking a traveling job but when it was offered I was discussing with my family that lives in the area and they're like excited I will cover for you and they've been great you know I'm gone for two weeks in March my parents are coming staying at the house with the kids right another time my brother came down from Jersey he's a teleworker by trade he's a graphics designer he stayed at the house for a week mm -hmm. so I I have a support structure that I didn't have at when before I moved here, and it was just me, and that was one of the deciding factors to the military. I'm like, there's no way I could put my children in someone else's hands and deploy for a year. Right. Even my own family. It's not that I wouldn't trust my family. It's that it's you want to be there, right? I want to be there when things happen. I want to have those memories. Yeah. And I'm not willing to trade them for the world. And you know, and I think gender should not play a role. When it comes to good parenting, I really don't think so. I agree. And I think some of these managers who are not informed fail to realize that taking care of your people is translated more than just giving them time off for vacation. But you let people take care of their families, they will take care of you. Yeah. You take care of, you let people take care of their priorities. Yeah, better said. <laughs> I mean, you know, because I think it it's going to change how much your kids need you is going to change over the course of your career, but different things will require your time and attention. And you yeah. know that as long as you're doing what needs to get done in other parts of your life, you're going to come and bring a hundred percent to work when you were yeah. there. So I, I think it, you know, I think this is, yeah, exactly the conversation that we need. I've had some of these conversations, people saying, you know, they've said, you're asking me to change my values. And I've said, no, I'm not asking you to change your values. I'm asking you to change your ideas. Exactly. 
Because by shifting on how you take care of family and employees, it's not changing your values. It's just changing how you do business.